1: Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas the podcast. I'm Zoe and I'm Georgia and we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations, tips and tricks, products we love
3: and brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. She's back! Yay! I'm back! (laughs) Can you tell by my high-pitched squeal that I never want you to leave again?
1: Oh my god, mate. I feel like it's the longest time that we haven't actually checked in with one another. Because normally, even though we're not maybe recording together or working, we're just always on WhatsApp.
3: But we didn't. We left each other. We didn't. We left each other alone. We had a break. and I'm still I
2: still love you, though.
3: <laughs> I still love you. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Grew fonder. It does. But tell yeah. me, how was it? You had best of both, right? A girl's trip or a friend's trip and then a family trip.
1: I'm telling you what, this is the way to do it because I did all the partying and all the bad behaviour at the beginning. And then, so that was Friday through to Tuesday. Ooh, we danced. Aww. We danced. We went to the old space, which is now high. Yeah. And they've got these things called the Bogs of Joy where they've got dj set up in
3: oh balloons. the toilets yes yeah right yeah. so
1: there's cubicles or it doesn't it sounds a bit rank because it's like oh surely it smells like poop but it doesn't it doesn't smell like it's amazing they've got these like really cool lights on the ceiling and then they had there's a dj three djs called melon bomb which i absolutely love and they played for like five hours and there was fans and drag queens and glitter and basement jacks was playing and i oh was just like that God. woo i had such a good time i mean i paid for it on monday i was basically out like the whole day
0: Bah! Bah! <laughs>
1: like being sick every five minutes, but it was it was worth, I'm such a lightweight these days. Oh
3: my, oh my God, so am I. I'm such a lightweight now. Do, what do you think it is? Do you think it's the fact we don't do it as much? Or do you think yes. it's the fact that we had children? A bit of both?
1: I was doing shots of Yeah Bass, which is like a herby, pure alcohol thing off the bar, like I was Madonna.
3: So you're forgetting that you're a lightweight. <laughs> I was like, woohoo!
1: And then I was like, I really don't feel very well. To my mate Henry, and she was like, You'll be okay. I was like, Okay, sure. Um, But anyway, then Daza flew out with the kids on Tuesday, and then we had Tuesday to Saturday. Pure family vibes. We went to Benaras, which is where they do the drumming circles. We went to well, we went to Turangito Blue for lunch. We hung out and ran the pool. We did a lot. Like I'll put a whole list. I'm going to do a whole list of kind of Ibiza recommendations for families, and I'm going to also tag the villa where we stayed because that was a perfect setup for for kids.
3: Oh, and mate, oh my god, I'm so jealous. I can't. well, I cannot wait for my trip on Saturday to Scotland, just like Ibiza. <laughs>
1: Oh my god, you're going to Scotland in your camper van on Saturday. Yeah, on oh, you're Saturday. gonna have an amazing time no, no, no. though, mate.
3: I'm joking about it. I am actually quite looking forward to it. I've never done it anything like this before. I've never been camping. I stood you up camping, didn't I, last year? Yeah. So um yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So I'll document it. Zoe will give you all the Ibiza tips this week and I'll give you all the staycation Scotland tips next week. There you go. A tale there of two go. stories. Yes, exactly. Now obviously
1: um because I was away, you took this recording by yourself. I did. It's like you don't even need me any longer. I don't.
3: I don't. You train <laughs> me up. I've trained you up. No, I, no, in all seriousness, please don't do it to me again. I don't like it.
1: <laughs> Are you okay though? How was it?
3: No, do you know what it was a great it was a great chat and actually we you know we were interviewing. I was interviewing a pro who is used to talking all the time. So We definitely weren't stuck for words um, and we covered so much. And and also as well, I think from this person's social media, you don't, you don't really see this side of her she doesn't really show much of her like personal Mm. life so it's actually really nice to get yeah like get a little insight into what's actually going on but also because we've just come off Mm. the back of the women's euros it was great to talk to somebody a woman in sport as well I don't know about you but since since the euros the women's euros have been going on I'm totally bought in I'm like signing Gigi up I think God, this is so great that they've made such a huge thing of it. Like, you know, all the sports shops have got campaign images, all that kind of stuff. I'm so, yeah.
1: They've obviously been smashing it, the Lionesses, and I love anything to do with women just kicking ass. I'm all over. They're playing, I think, they're playing... Wednesday evening. Yeah. So if they do that they get if they, if they go through there they've got a really good opportunity to win the euros. I mean imagine that and then obviously the finals coming up at the end of July. So even though I haven't been like glued to the games, I just feel yeah, like you said, somebody that's got an insight into it, the intricacies yes. of sport. She's basically been on our screens forever hasn't she? Kind yeah, of exactly. reporting on the sport news, Luna's joined the
3: recording. <laughs> Luna, do you want to introduce our guest? Camera Day podcast is Hayley McQueen.
4: How are you? I think I'm okay. I'm surviving the heat wave just about. I'm in an air-conditioned studio, which is actually, it's lovely. Normally I'm like, no, I just want to be outside in the sun. I'm quite grateful of being inside at the moment for for a little bit at least.
3: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I was just saying to you before, wasn't I, that Gigi's nursery is actually closed (gasps) because it's too hot. (laughs) I I mean, you get it with we get it with snow. We get it with like lots of rain. I mean, any kind of extreme, and we're like we just close up, don't we? Just shut shut down, and we can't operate. So I'm not one to moan that it's too hot. So I'm not going to. I'm actually enjoying the heat. Um, But we'll see 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 what it's like when it picks up. You said that you're not always so. Open about talking about mm. your parenting experience on social media. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about that and why you don't necessarily share so much on social?
4: Media? Yeah, I think it's it's weird because I love following people who overshare and share. I listen to. Um, I, I watch a lot of Ashley James, who's like the most incredibly Best. empowering woman in terms of what she has to offer as a as a new parent. I was following her anyway for it's a usual. You go from watching kind of like fashion and blogging and lifestyle, and then before you know it, I'm following like a hundred mums, mm. all kind of offering, not just offering advice, but really. Of bearing their souls, and you think, "Oh, thank God, you're feeling like that." And then I start to feel guilty because I'm. I don't do that. I don't share an awful. Lot. I've gone through a lot in a couple of years. I was very aware as well of. I have a lot of male followers because I work in the sports world, and yes, we have women fans and female viewers. And I'm currently, of course, working on and the Euros this summer as well, which is great for women's sport. However, about. 80% of my followers are male. And I was like, do they really <laughs> want to hear about breastfeeding and piles and bad birthing experiences? like, do you know what? Probably not. I was like, I'm just going to turn these people away. But equally, I wanted to appeal to women and get more women following me. But I was like, I realized the reason people do follow me is probably to get sports updates. Is Cristiano Ronaldo staying at Manchester United? <laughs> not is your child potty training at two or three?
3: I sometimes think it's good though that, you know, Men do see this, what women go through, and like some of the realities. Because I think so often, you know, we'll get together as mums and talk about it amongst ourselves. But the men don't always necessarily know like what's Mm -hmm. going on and like deep down what we're actually thinking. um So maybe, maybe you should, maybe you should start. (laughs) I do do a little, a little bit. It's it's really nice because I I didn't know about
4: this direct message um, folder. God, I didn't find out about it until quite recently because, oh my goodness, when I was having a a rough time, I'm just glad I didn't open that box. So you have your like general, your primary, and then you have this kind of like other section. And... um, I just scrolled through. I'd, I'd had somebody that I started to follow that oh, I've been messaging you for ages. I've sent you all these DMs, and I'd looked and realised there was this whole thing. So I, I actually spent one afternoon going through all the DMs and found some really lovely messages. Most of them were from men, but a lot of them were from dads, stay-at-home dads. Dads like having a day of daycare. Oh, that's a great idea. You posted your little one playing with so and so, or oh yeah, we're about to just you know we're about to do potty training. Really interesting because my wife had a baby six weeks after you, and I follow you because I look for the little ones every Monday morning or whatever it may be so I kind of I quite enjoyed opening that and and realizing there were a lot of men who were taking in the very little bits of information that I was sharing on social media and then there's the whole silly thing as well of I've had a really hard time with what's been happening with with my parents my, my dad was diagnosed with dementia just a few months after I had Ayla and that kind of meant my mum wasn't able to be really part of of you know, Ayla's life in the first few months, well, she hasn't been at all. I have to travel up north. They live in North Yorkshire to to see my parents. And we've had to go through a lot with my dad. His decline has been quite rapid and having to kind of deal with all of that side of things. So I had a lot of that going on. I suffered with really bad anxiety, the whole going back to work thing, the juggle. That was during COVID, of course. Um, No childcare, trying to figure out nurseries. There was just so much going on. I was like, I'll just put pictures of me in a studio, in a, in a nice outfit and just get the likes and <laughs> comments and focus on breaking some football and sports stories. And, and that's just how I will be on Instagram. But there was this whole other level of life happening behind Instagram that I do feel a little guilty that I didn't really share, but I almost maybe wasn't mentally ready to do that and face maybe a lot of the questions. And I don't want people, oh, how are you this week? How's this going? I kind of wanted to go to work. And just ignore it. And Instagram's a little bit of an extension of my work, I guess, with what, what I put out there.
3: Yeah. I mean, I'd love to talk in depth about, you know, some of the struggles that you've had. So can we just go back to, um, mm. you know, your pregnancy journey? Was, you know, did you always want to be a mum? And how did, you know, how was your experience trying to get pregnant?
4: God, I, I thought I'm one of... Th- Three kids. I have a sister and a, and a brother. I'm the eldest. And I always thought I would be one that would get married and have kids first. Yes, I, I have a career and I love it. I certainly haven't chosen a career over motherhood. I'm 42 now and um, didn't have Ayla until I was 39, very nearly 40. And it wasn't through choice. I just wasn't with anyone in my 20s. I was nowhere near ready enough to be thinking about having a family. Then you suddenly come up to 30, and a few of my friends were getting married and engaged. And I was just very single. I'd moved down to London. I started working for Sky and just, I guess, kind of focused on career. And I I did date a few people, but nothing was solid enough to think about sort of the future and progressing. And it kind of went from one disaster to another and another. And it was just a case of I didn't meet someone until I was 35, 36. And then it was very much like, look, if we're going to be together, I want to make sure we are serious about at some point I want to have a family and I don't want to leave it too late. I've got endometriosis as well. Um, so I had all of that going on. And yeah, we, we tried for a couple of years. I had to get a lot of medical stuff sorted out before I was even able to start thinking about conceiving. I went to a fertility clinic to go and get checked out to see how many follicles I had and all that. They were like, oh my gosh, your endometriosis is so bad. So I ended up going and having treatment on that. And that took up a year, a whole year's worth when I could have been trying to get pregnant, having sort of, you know, laser um, uh, or whatever it is that they do. I I had lots of medical stuff going on. Only got one working ovary. So then your chances are even shorter. I was creeping up to 40. Started to get really panicky about it. And I did end up I went to quite a few fertility clinics, asked lots of questions. I had friends in a similar position as well. We found a place in Greece. I had a meeting with the consultant, went through a load of medical stuff, and was like, oh, I wouldn't mind just popping over to Greece and doing it this way, having a little holiday out of it. And actually, when I look back, it's one of these stories that you're like, wow, that happens to other people. The day I had my big consultation to start mapping my cycle, I was pregnant. Yeah. I was actually pregnant. It's like, how on earth could this have happened? Like, what? How? I'd just been to Egypt riding on camels and going June bugging. And it was like a proper adventure holiday. But I remember being there and we had to change rooms twice because I was like, I couldn't bear the smell in the room of this. It was like a heavy incense and I could smell smoke everywhere. I remember going through the airport. It's like, I can't believe people are smoking in the airport. It's just, it stinks. And my other half was like, what on earth are you on about? And of course there was a smoking room in the airport that we passed, but my heightened sense of smells was, was due to obviously one of the, I guess the symptoms of, of, of,
3: yeah. of early pregnancy. But if a friend said that to you, you'd probably say, "Oh, are you pregnant? Isn't it weird how when you're <laughs> when it it's happening to you, you don't pick up on the signs yeah. at all? I was exactly the same. I felt nauseous. I felt hungover every day. And if a friend had said that to me, like said to me, "Oh, I'm just feeling really bad," I'd be like, "Oh, you're not pregnant, are you?" But yeah, it doesn't even cross your mind.
4: I know. And then yeah, that was it. Pregnant, and we were we were very lucky. I had. I mean, it was a fairly easy pregnancy. I was absolutely massive. I put on five stone, which um, I just ate my way through pregnancy, but I kind of didn't care. But I think I was supposed to go on maternity leave maybe two weeks before I was due. I left like a good month and a bit just because I thought I'm not going to be able to fit into this chair presenting on Sky anymore. But it was a lot of bump. And I'm quite tall as well. I thought, thank God for that. But, um, yeah, I put on an awful lot of weight. But I was I was very healthy, I kept getting the whole high blood pressure thing so constantly into is it triage is that I can't even remember what you call it yeah where
3: where they check you over yeah
4: I had a a kidney infection one of those things but it was fine really I ended up having to have a c-section which like wasn't ideal but hey
3: and so you you mentioned that you you know you were going on maternity leave two weeks before um you're having the baby did you have any fears around leaving work you know, and going on maternity leave.
4: Oh my God. Yeah. And at that time I had been presenting Scottish football. So I was traveling up to Scotland most weekends, not all weekends. Sky at the time shared the Scottish premiership rights with BT. So they would have some games, we would have others. And I loved my breaks up there. I love, I grew up in Scotland. My my dad started his career at St. Mirren. I'm a Scotland fan. Like he proudly, played for his country. So so I got into sport and journalism because of my dad. And I've always lived it, loved it, breathed it. That That's why I love what I do. And was really happy when I got to kind of go back up and sort of explore my roots and go on these adventures with the most incredible team of people, very small group of people. And I had two seasons covering Scottish football. And I did worry when I left on maternity leave that I, I wouldn't be able to travel up to Scotland. Like, how would I leave a baby for two, three days Mm. across a weekend I was just like that's not fair on my other half because well I disappear on a Friday night maybe get back on a Sunday night possibly a Monday and that's the whole weekend gone how's that going to affect my relationship if I take a step back from doing Scottish football and I'm just doing Sky Sports News and there aren't other opportunities at Sky to present on other things and there are obviously always younger talent coming through guys and girls and people who are sort of you know super keen and like God, am I just going to be one of these people that's that's left behind? Not thinking, oh, I'm really experienced, and they'd be they'd be missing me, and and, and really want me to come back. My boss wrote me the loveliest card because um, they're not allowed to really even check in on you when when you're on maternity leave or nice. ask when you're coming back. And he had to keep reminding me of that, as if like I would be asking when you're coming back, but I'm not going to because I'm not allowed. Um, and he was like, "Look, it's going to be so wonderful when you come back. We can't wait to have you have you back. You've really been missed." And that was lovely. And I came back during COVID, so I would normally sort of present full time. I was only doing a couple of days a week because we were only in the studio a couple of days because it, it wasn't completely live all the time because we just didn't have have the staff. So actually, it was a really nice way of easing my way back into presenting. Yeah. Because it was almost coming back part time, but I, I was returning full time. So I guess COVID did give me that. There were a lot of worries. And even now, my career hasn't gone back to where it where it was. And maybe it never will. I see other mums and, and and parents who are of a similar age, at a similar stage in their careers. But they've got kids who are about to go to senior school and kids who are a bit more self-sufficient, who don't require, yeah. you know, the, the levels of child's giving care that you you have to give toddlers, I guess. And we don't have either set of parents around either. So I was very conscious that that would impact the amount of work I could do because my my partner's uh, father sadly passed away during during COVID abroad. His parents live abroad. My parents are up north. Not only that, my mom can't leave my dad because of his dementia. So we were completely on our own. We'd moved out to the countryside from London like what the hell have I done here? But actually we, we get by, thank God for nursery. I mean, it's annoying when they ring you to tell you that they've got a temperature or there's a power <laughs> car it's <that's> too hot
2: because <laughs> we've
4: got notes, like ringing random neighbours up the street. Can anyone pick up my child, just throw snacks at her and hope for the best, please. But that was really hard because I, I knew I just didn't have the childcare there that if if I was offered, even like other work away from Sky, I love hosting events. I love getting out and meeting people and, traveling around to sort of cricket grounds, football grounds, golf courses. I can't just do that at the drop of a hat. Yeah. If, you worry, if you
3: start to turn
4: down work, you're not going to get asked again.
3: So h- how quickly did you go back to work after having Ayla? I think it was eight months, actually. I'd intended on maybe
4: taking a year out, but just I was like, I'm just going to see how it goes. I was very lucky by this point Um, I was staff at Sky, so I got six months maternity, which is just, I'd been a contractor before that and freelancing around, but the the way that Sky were operating at that time, and there were a lot of rules brought into IR35, and whether you fell under that working as a you know, a constant presenter. So I'd had different contracts and and finally thought, you know what, if they're going to offer me a sky job and I want to have a baby soon, let's just take this. Um, and they were really great. And I managed to have the, the six months off. And Ayla was born in the October. Um, I thought, you know, what? I'm just going to wait a little bit. And for me, I kind of worked it out with the football season. So the football, there was no point in me going back after six months. A, I absolutely wasn't ready. She'd never slept longer than three hours for the first five and a half months of her life. Never once. Gosh. I literally thought I was... I didn't know how I was going to survive some days because she had silent reflux. I didn't know about it. She wouldn't take a bottle. So it was all on me. As soon as we figured that out and got her onto the formula, it literally changed my life. She once slept for like six hours. I was like, what? (laughs) I could have had this months ago. Are you kidding me? So I was not ready for a multitude of reasons. Um, And we'd obviously just found out about my dad. I thought it'd be a nice way of me spending a little bit more time with my family. Lo and behold, couldn't spend much time with them anyway but it was a lovely summer I thought I'm just going to wait till the football season finishes at the end of May and just enjoy the summer and go back at the start of the new season which I did so it was kind of a nice clean entrance back in back into work
3: yeah and you mentioned you know you you had you had Aylin when you was what did you say 39 39. and your dad was is is poorly and you sort of Mm. found out about that I guess when she, when she just close to when she was born, is this something that you know? That, well, this will be something that so many of us, as mm. we're having children later and later, are struggling with. And do you think that it's sort of impacting your decision whether to have more children if you could, if you can, if you want to?
4: Yeah, definitely. The, the whole having another child thing is God, it's such dilemma. I see, I mean, you've got two, Zoe's got her three. I look at so many people with more than one child and the sort of little happy times they have of playing together, entertaining each other and having that bond. And I'm, I'm really close with my sister, that this sort of less than two years between her and I, less than 18 months between her and my brother. And I just, I grew up just, they were like my two best mates. We traveled around a lot because of my dad's job in football. I just always had them as a constant And I'm really lucky. And thank God I have my sister now because going through what we're going through with my dad, it's not all on me. My sister will have a day where she's we're we're looking at um, at the moment. uh, My dad's going to go into respite care. We've told him he's going to a five star hotel to get rehab and to have a nice time. And He's (laughs) cool with that. Um, And there there might come a time where he will have to go into full time care. My mum just cannot cope. She fell over and broke her leg not long ago she's my dad's had pneumonia we've had all this stuff going on and it's like hospital visits taking them stuff we can share the burden between us yeah my mum didn't have us until she was in her 30s but it's a very different ball game having a child in your 40s yeah and I think god I would love to have another child for Ayla I don't know how I would get through the newborn stage because that first six months I absolutely hated I hated it um I loved my pregnancy once we maybe got to A sort of first birthday and beyond I've absolutely loved it and I'm loving the stage right now of, of two and a half, which is just a whole load of fun. But I just look back at that first six months and it was such a dark dark horrible time with everything that was going on with my my family, my birthing experience, the sort of relationship and the realization that everything is on me, the constant breastfeeding wouldn't take a bottle. I just don't know how I'd go through that again. I was like, but can I just get through it for the sake of my little one to have a sibling? I'm like, oh, she's getting too old now. I need to have them closer together. There's gonna to be too much of a gap. What if they don't get on? What if they're not best friends when they grow up? Just as she starts school, will I have another child? And then have to put them all you know, through nursery and go through all of that again. And there's a cost implications to the childcare mm-hmm. too. But it's it's horrible, horrible, because I think in one on one hand, we can give her everything. And have a wonderful, wonderful relationship, hopefully, with mother and daughter. She can be my little best friend, which she is right now. And I love that. But then deny her of of a sibling. I just yeah. don't know if I can mentally cope with going through that, which sounds ridiculous. Not at all. And being that little bit older. And could I cope with... Um, I've had, um, you know, things happen in the past. Um, I won't go into loads of detail. I don't think I could go through a miscarriage situation, getting excited about being pregnant and having, you know, had to explore IVF and go down the fertility route and my endometriosis. I just don't know if I'm mentally strong enough to cope with going through, trying to have a baby again, getting through the newborn stage, and then trying to get back into a career again, having to have another break at such an important time in my life but then is that really selfish Mm. is it and when I look back and think I wish I had have had another but who Who knows knows? yeah if my parents were nearby and I and I had my mum on hand and I knew that like my sister lives around the corner from my parents she has two she 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 has it made although she takes on a lot more responsibility looking after my parents but my parents have been heavily involved with, with the upbringing of her kids. They pick them up from school three, four days a week. They have them wow. for a weekend. They'll have them overnight. If my sister wants to get her nails done, she'll just drop them off and that's it. I just don't have that at all. Yeah. So I think because I don't have the support network, there is the worry there that how on earth would I cope with with, with two kids?
3: We'll be right back after this short break.
2: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we?
3: Do you know what? there's something that comes up a lot on Made by Mamas, you know, this this whole thing about having more children. I'm an only child and I actually really like it. Um, and it's only now like you actually just mentioned about the whole responsibility thing. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to feel responsible for my parents. My mum actually had me not young I guess it's quite normal then she had me at 27 so I know I've got maybe I don't know who knows you don't know do you but I've got a little while till I have to properly care for them Mm. but I am starting to feel responsible for them now um and I hadn't like I I hadn't felt this way before I had Gigi like my second but I think there are so many people in a similar situation where you know wait like they've waited until a little bit later to have children and then all of these issues come up like like you say it's there's the childcare co- cost Childcare costs are huge there's you know when you're in your 40s you feel like you want to be flying in your career and you know is having another child going to impact that then you know then you take into consideration I mean my parents don't live around the corner they they do what they can but it is a lot and having another child I mean it is it is more it is busier it it, it, you can't get away from it the logistics are all over the place but yeah we hear it so much and I think there's obviously no right or wrong I mean I really like I'm like championing championing only children because I actually really really loved it um but then I didn't. I don't. I've never understood the sibling bond, like you probably have. So yeah, I mean, it's it's such a tricky one. Where 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 is your head at at the moment?
4: My other half was like, well, we'll just wait until she goes to school, and then we can have another. I was like, but that's like. I am 42 now. Like, I don't even know how easy it's going to be or how long it's going to take. I don't want to be nearly 50 if we try for another two, three years after she's gone to school. I think he just thinks, well, once one's popped off, and then, well, then what do you do at Easter, summer holidays, Christmas? A lot of these times, like half terms, bank holidays, they're my busiest times as a broadcaster yeah. in sport because of all this live sport that's that's happening. My other half is, is, is freelance and, and, you know, he can't say no to work. Sometimes he has to pick up on 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 work, and so it's really really difficult, isn't it? And I'm like, oh, we've only have a three bedroom house. Well, I need the guest bedroom. You know, at some point, my my mum. You know, if if one day my dad's not here, I don't know how long that's going to be, but in the next couple of years, certainly. And if my mum wants to come down, I said she's going to need the spirit, I can't give that up for another child. And oh, well, then do I move that room into the little? Ayla's got sort of—I say it's a box room; it's a single room, but it's—it's it's a lovely room. Well, I can't fit a double bed. Oh, it's just—and it's stupid because people who have smaller houses than me have like way more kids. People just get on with it and deal with it. And it's just me being a little bit precious about that. But there are all those kind of little things. Am I like, am I just making up excuses because I'm maybe just not quite quite ready yet or there yet? I've discussed. I've got a couple of a couple of friends who have just one child and they're sticking at that. And I think when you start to speak to other people who are in a similar position and not just saying, oh, you've got to have another, or of course you have to have a sibling, it does make you feel a little bit better about that. And I've I've met a couple of people like yourself that say, we just form much stronger bonds with our girlfriends or or our guy friends or whatever it may be because they become your family. Um, And and people you meet at different stages in your life come about because you – Look at the way you and Zoe just met. You're the best of friends and you've met at a time in your life when that's the type of person that you need in your life. A sibling's not always going to be on your level all the time. They might move away somewhere abroad and live in... I've got a friend whose sister lives in America and she never sees her. I'm like, oh... And I hadn't really thought about that side of things as well. You're
3: so right. Actually, when we look at you know we think about siblings, we think about this really tight family unit that you know they live around the corner from each other and they pop in and they hand each other their kids and Mm. they do all you know they're sort of raising kids together. But we don't really live in that kind of society anymore. That whole concept of the village is kind of gone, which is Mm. really which is sad. But you're so right. You. the, the whole sibling thing yes if it works out then that's great but me, my husband's one of four and he moved out of um like moved out of his home when he was i, I want to say 15 or something and hasn't lived remotely near his sisters until now um so they're just kind of getting their sort of sibling bond back now he's 33 mm. so it's yeah, I, I, it, it's a funny one because I would have been more than happy with, to have one child, um, and but I'm I'm saying this from somebody who didn't grow up with siblings and, and I never had that sibling bond. Um, but John, you know, I actually really want to talk to you about you know raising a daughter and especially um, like with a bit of a sporting background because I didn't. Zoe did loads of sport when she was young. She's really into sport. I didn't, I I wasn't, my mum wasn't sporty. My dad used to watch sport, but not really. My husband um, plays sport, Zari's husband plays sport. And now I have Gigi. And actually, since the Euros, all of this huge, you know, the, the marketing that's gone into getting girls into football, I am so, I'm so on board now. And I have to hold my hands up. She hasn't been to a sport lesson yet. She's three. Axel probably went at 18 months. Should I put her into ballet. But now I am suddenly like, no, why am I doing that? So can you just tell us a little bit about your upbringing and, you know, your passion for sport? Yeah, I
0: mean, I,
4: I was I was super lucky because, yeah, I had a father who had played football and he was playing when, when I was little. We just played outside all the time. I went to a really incredible school that, that really kind of pushed sport. It was quite small, so you're in small groups. So quite often we would actually join up and do PE with the boys. There might not be enough of us to play in a team against another team if you needed like 11 and 11 because it was such a small school. So they were really keen. They were like, right, We've got you into these good schools now. You're doing really well. Enjoy the sport, but let that just be a hobby. My opinion might have changed now with regards to my little one. I wouldn't care if she wanted to play football, netball.
3: I find that so interesting that you say, you know, your your parents wanted you to focus on academics, even though obviously your dad was a footballer. And now it's like, skipping a generation and you probably mm-hmm. wouldn't mind if yeah. you know if your daughter wanted to be a professional sports person will, will you try and replicate your childhood with her like you, you're so sporty and yeah well I guess will you try and get her into some kind of sport I'll let her
4: just find her way. my parents never this was the one good thing my parents just let us do whatever we wanted to do and we were really lucky I, I look. she she says to me all the time at the moment I want to be a ballerina, I want to be, but that's because she wants to wear a dress with a tutu. I want my princess, I want my princess. That's like, it's all about the clothes. She stands and she swishes around and she likes to see, I had her in leggings for like two years until she she will not put a pair of leggings on now. She wants to wear a dress.
3: Isn't that funny how that happens? Because I've done the same with Gigi. Well, actually, when when she was born, I wanted her to be a real girly girl because I'd had a boy and, you know, Boys' clothes are really rubbish in comparison to girls' clothes. And that was pretty much it. So I was like, oh, she's going to be so girly. I'm going to put her in all the girly stuff. And as soon as she started walking around, I realized that's just not practical. Mm -hmm. Get the leggings on. Get the leggings on. So she basically wears leggings and T-shirts. But now, all of a sudden, something's just changed in her. And she wants the sparkle. She wants the glitz. She wants the pretty dresses. And that is not something that Mm -hmm. she's surrounded by. Which Same. is really weird. Like, where does Same. that come from? I don't know.
4: I don't know. And I'll, I'll, I'll open, now she's like, my picket, my picket. So in the morning, I open up the wardrobe. I'm like, oh God. So I've had to like hide stuff out of a wardrobe. <laughs> So she can't pick it like the snow white fancy dress outfit or her Christmas jumper, which she loves because it's like flashing and sparkly with like tacky stuff all over it. And I've had to hide stuff away. So I just limit her options. I'm like, okay, you can pick any of this. And she just goes straight into like pink or brightly colored or lilac, fluffy, big tutu or a dress. And I'm like, I've never pushed any of this ever. She's outside. She's got a football I want to have her down at karate. My sister's little boy does it. It's really good for that. I, yeah, I probably will take her to ballet lessons as well. I'll let her do, you know, lots of different things. But we went to a country fair recently and I thought she'd be really into like the animals. It was like ferret racing and equestrian like stuff. There was like horses dancing around to music and stuff. It was absolutely brilliant. I loved it. There were little groups of of youngish girls, of young teenagers doing like, dance recitals. Was it dance recitals? They were doing, like, kind of, like, little shows of dancing to music, and she was just, like, mesmerized. She's never seen that before. I'm like, oh, God. And there were girls in, like, the ballet outfits. They were, like, black with black tutus. It was quite cool, and they were sort of doing, like, modern music, but with a bit of ballet and dancing, and she was like... You could just see that she was like really excited and then when the music stopped she's going more 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 mommy more I was like no it's finished more more and after that and I said she said what is it I said oh it's it's ballet it's dancing she's like And then I've told her what a ballerina is. And she's like, I want ballerina. I want ballerina. Like, it's really sweet because she was just mesmerized. I was like, please just be into the horses and all the animals. So every time I take you to the farm, that's going to be all you want to do. Go to the, we've got a lovely little farm up near us, you know, where you can go and pet all the animals and they've got sandpit and soft play. But yeah, she was just so drawn to that. It's funny.
3: It, it, do you know what? It is it, so strange because it's almost like you feel, well, I, I don't know if you feel like this. I feel bad that I'm only sending her to ballet because now I feel like I should be giving her all of these other opportunities. And I so badly want to like buck the trend that you know girls don't play football and girls don't mm. play rugby and all of that because I so badly now want her to do that. Mm. But I'll probably end up, driving her the other way and she won't you know she won't want to do any of it I think it's difficult and like you say like sometimes you just have to not guide them you just have to Mm. like let them find things yeah Mm -hmm. just let them find things themselves yeah
4: we've always got football on on the tv in the background and she knows what it is and there's like goal or something exciting and she'll she will look and be slightly interested but like two and a half, or she's just over two and a half. She's kind of not really going to watch a whole football match. She doesn't even watch a whole movie yet. But um, if she does show a bit of an interest, I can kind of guide her and help yeah. her and I, I really want to take her to football as well we're quite near Adams Park which is which is near like the home of Wickham Wanderers
3: yeah 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 so I
4: was like maybe I'll just take her to like a Wickham game because it's it's close to home she doesn't like it mm-hmm. I can just leave it's it's not a Premier League team it's not going to cost me a ton of money to kind of take her if she wants to go every week
3: yeah it's not going to yeah. be really like super noisy you know we're so lucky now that our you know our girls and boys are watching you know women play every you know every single day during the Euros I, mm-hmm. I don't remember any of that growing up I don't think no was women's football wasn't a huge thing no. and maybe actually I, I did have a friend when I was growing up who played for Crystal Palace girls oh. and so I uh, that was one person who I sort of knew that played football but other than that I did not know like you know anybody who did and so yeah, yeah I'm really excited for you know the next generation and the opportunities that they are, they're gonna have
4: yeah and just not be labeled a tomboy or, uh, similar yeah. to you we had one girl in our class she had three brothers so mm. she was into football they used to shove her in goal and kick balls at yeah. her. that kind of little you know that was a little bit like me as well with my brother and his and his mates like oh you can play with us and you just standing go- up but she they just shoved her in goal she quite enjoyed it and she would kind of muck in and play with them was oh she's such a tomboy she wasn't she she isn't a tomboy and she was actually quite girly but yeah it was it's that label whereas now you can be girly and feminine and still be into football and sweating and all that kind of stuff and getting yourself into a mess growing up for me the thought of like sweating and getting covered in mud and like rolling over on, on, on like, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Whereas now it's just, it's, it's acceptable. You know, women play play rugby now and get really yeah. stuck in. I'm like, go, you go girls, do it. Yeah,
3: and it's not, yeah, like you say, that's not seen as, you know, masculine so much anymore. And you can be super feminine and mm. play rugby and get dirty and do all of those things. I mean, gosh, we could talk about this all day, but just before we go, and I know you do listen to the podcast, so you know that this mm-hmm. is coming Um, we would love to get the best piece of advice you've ever been given or a piece of advice you would give to a new parent.
4: I think sometimes go with the flow. I tried to do sleep training. I tried to follow rules. It did not work.
3: (laughs) I'm nodding away.
4: (laughs) My other half is way more organic than me. I used to get so stressed and so anxious when I had to leave the little one with him because he wouldn't put her to bed at the time that she I put her to bed to nap. He didn't follow like a routine. And he was quite, he said, like, oh, well, I'll be able to tell if she's tired or not. And in the end, actually, me forcing her to go to sleep at a certain time when she wouldn't always go to sleep and then going in and out of the room, in and out of the room, checking, going mm. in. Oh, it, it used to drive me mad because just sleep. It's 12 o'clock. You have to sleep right now. We just went with the flow and she found her natural little rhythm. If she fell asleep in the car, big deal. It's not the end of the world. If something happens that is out of a routine that you have set, like go with the flow. COVID as well, We, I think because we were at home so often and didn't go out, for, I wouldn't leave the house because yeah. oh, she sleeps then or she does this then or she does that then. And it took me a while to kind of get used to being a bit more, yeah, just free, free. with things. I can yeah. leave the house and it doesn't matter that she's not sleeping in a cot or that she hasn't got this with her or that with her or I can't heat up her milk to this temp, like, just, just go with it because they soon grow out of every little phase and a a new routine comes about before you know it.
3: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I know you've been really organized with this as well. So could you let us know some of your favorite products? Yeah, so I
4: loved carrying ale around in a carrier. So anything carrier-wise, I hardly used – I sold our Silver Cross pram. I hardly used it. I used it a handful of times because it was COVID. There was nowhere yeah. to take her. I live in the country. So I just used to take her out in the um, in, in a sling. And I got one of these wonderful tops. Seraphine was a really lovely brand that uh, I liked yeah. for maternity. And they have this skin-to-skin top. It meant that I didn't have to worry about what I was wearing. I just shoved on this top. And just popped her in it, and I could go out in it. You could breastfeed in it really easily. So what well, they had a sling on the front of it. It was like a wrap-around top with a oh, sling wow. built. So so when you then took the baby out, you would just wrap it round yourself again, and it would just become like a wrap top, like almost like a ballet top, but with way more material. Really comfortable. They do sleeveless ones, long sleeve ones.
3: I've never seen those before. Yeah, that's it's so really cool. Good.
4: So I think it's called the skin to skin top. In wow. fact, I caught my other half. It once I was like, Oh, you're gonna ruin my top. You're like busting out of it at the arms.
3: <laughs> oh, that is so cool. Mm-hmm.
4: A sleepy head. I love a sleepy head or docker, I think. Docker, yeah, they're called right now. and I had yeah. all the different like covers for it. Um, because yeah, if I was traveling up north, it meant we didn't have to worry about having a cot at my parents', if I stayed at my sisters, whose kids had grown out of that phase. Just used to shove it on the couch, mm. on the floor, outside, anywhere. And I loved the fact that when she then transitioned to a cot she was still in a sleepy head and we just managed to kind of gradually slide it away and before you knew it she was she was fine in a cot so i loved that and yeah, i know I some people that. have worries about about the safety aspect of it but I think if you do your research, it, it's, yeah. it's pretty safe. It wouldn't be on sale.
3: Yeah, that's what I always think. You whether you have to weigh up your, no. you know, weigh up the risk and, and decide yeah. what you think about it, for sure.
4: Yeah, I absolutely love, and we are still using now, because I didn't want to buy a big changing table that you only ever use on the top of a chest of drawers for a certain amount of time before they grow out of it. So I bought this Mocky cot. Ooh. I think it's called Mocky, the brand. It's a little cot. It's really scandy, really plain and simple. And you just pop this changing table over the and it just sits on it and rests on it safely and then just slides down the side and just rests. So you just bring it up and take it off as and when you need it. And the other thing I loved about it was it then meant that, so I put like a little canopy around the cot and everything and little sparkly things. It meant that from birth, she was used to being in that in that space so that by the time she went into her cot, she'd been there. Goodness knows how many a day getting changed. It was a nice little space for her. She could, it was the same ceiling, the same surroundings. I mean, obviously now we have pull-ups and stuff, but she still asks to sit on her little changing top and it just slides down the side rather than having to get a whole piece of furniture or changing
3: oh, That's actually changing genius, thing. isn't it? Yeah.
4: And then you can, I mean, you can rest it on. I Because I had a C-section, I couldn't sort of bend down onto the floor when I was downstairs. I've got all these baskets with like changing stuff in them, but I couldn't kind of bend over. So I just use that and and pop it on the kitchen table the kitchen unit but yeah I really like the fact that it's kind of two pieces of furniture in one and then eventually she won't need a changing top anymore yeah
3: that's actually such a good point you don't need to buy a proper changing table like I just I had a chest of drawers and then just put a changing mat on the top with like sort of bigger sides but that is like a step on that's like the next level that's fantastic it was
4: good I think it was the the top I think it was like 29 pounds or something. It wasn't like expensive. So yeah, and she's still using it now. Baskets for stuff, just baskets, because we still use them now. We started off with, she had like her nappies in one and then all her little creams and bits, because you can just easily get in put them all together. You can move them around the room so that they kind of became a little bit of furniture. I could move them from my room into her room. I had separate baskets downstairs. As she then started to get a bit inquisitive, I then changed and got the ones with the lids on the top yeah. again. And now I use them for toys. So they've kind of been carried through, which is really nice. Um, I've got little hair clips in some. I've got another with little books. So I was... I was all about the baskets for all the kind of the wipes, the creams, the everything, and and still use them now and probably will for for a little while just to keep lots of different bits and bobs in.
3: Well, thank you. I think we've covered loads of stuff. Um, But thank you so much for joining. You're welcome. I told you, we covered so much, so much. The sandwich
1: generation where you have to look after your kids but also your parents. I, I thought that was fascinating.
3: I know, it really is because I guess the later we're having children... And then, obviously, the longer that goes on through generations, you know, people having kids in their late thirties, then yeah. grandparents—it's it, like full circle. You're looking after a newborn and your parents, essentially.
1: Yeah, well, that's kind of how. I mean, my mum would kill me for saying that. I'm not. Is looking- she in the
3: house at the moment? Wait, you should whisper. <laughs>
1: I'm not looking after her as such, but I am having... She goes... Earlier on, she was like, I'm trying to buy a suitcase online, but she went, I'll have to go to an actual shop tomorrow to buy one. I said, it's going to be 40 degrees tomorrow, mom." She was like, there aren't any online, not one suitcase. And I said, have you checked Amazon? She went, no. And I said, well, let's have a look at Amazon. And that's that's kind of where we're at. It's that's like, the
3: start of it, isn't it? That's, that's the start like, of it. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And I... like another thing we're obviously talking about is like Haley's only having one child and as yeah. an only child yeah. I feel so responsible for my parents and yep. I think that's only going to grow as I get older yeah. and actually I've loved being an only child maybe until this point and now I'm like hey is anyone else anyone else going to help me here Mm-mm.
1: no because you know Judge James is not going to help you no
3: he's not he'll throw me just stop, throw me under the bus leave me to it
1: what you've got to hope is that Axel will kind of like just grow up very, very quickly in the next sort of 10, 15 years. Because that's, you know, that that's what he's there for.
3: It is what he's there for. That's what I've been training him to do all this time. So there we go. But no, in all, in all seriousness, we do get a lot of messages about the guilt around only having one child. And actually, yeah. I think the statistics say that it's like so much more common now than it was when we, you know, we were younger. Yeah. But there still is this thing around not giving your child a sibling. And there's so much pressure to have another child. Um, I, know. I mean, I, I, know. I yeah, I felt it. Do you remember? We used to have these conversations and obviously I did it. But yeah, there's, I think there's a lot. There's a lot to un- unravel. I feel guilty
1: and I, I, that I've that I've got two children that I didn't, you know, have a third because, really? you know, of Eileen. Yeah, I'm like, I probably would have gone again. But, you know, that would have been four children, mm. three children that I pushed out and, and a stepdaughter. And I just suddenly was like, I can't do that. I would have loved to have had another baby. Would you? I can't believe I'm admitting that. What's wrong with me?
3: Ibiza's...
1: It's the heat. It's the heat. I'm delirious. No, I really was thinking about it the other day. I would have absolutely loved to have gone again. But, yeah, I'm so lucky to have two amazing children and an incredible stepdaughter. So it's like, yeah, there's always going to be guilt around, you know, potentially things that you don't have rather than looking at what you've got. Whereas I think Hayley had quite a nice balance. She was sort of vocalising her you know her feelings around guilt but actually she's got an incredible career an amazing exactly. you know child and it's like that's yeah. the sort of payoff really isn't it yeah
3: exactly and I think sometimes you know like you weigh everything up and you think you know I've got one child I can give them everything I can continue with my career you know yep. uh, we're here and also the cost like I, I know childcare is insane I know and if you can't you know you don't have a big gap in between I mean it's, it's actually just not feasible for so many people I know So yeah, anyway, I'm sure lots of you relate to a, a lot of what we covered on that episode, so... Yeah, I enjoyed it. I know.
1: And I love I love Hayley for her bravery. She has fought so hard in her career. You know, she's a woman in sport. And without trying to get into that side of it, I'll save it for another day. You know, I know her personally. And I know that she has really, like, kind of fought sort of tooth and nail to, like, hang on to such a brilliant career and to be really established in that area. So all respect to her. I'm gutted I wasn't in on the recording. But Georgie handled it like a pro. So from so now much. onwards... <laughs> I'll be in Ibiza, and you'll be doing all the recordings from the UK, yeah?
3: I'm definitely not going to sign that contract. No,
1: fine. All no. right, fair enough. No,
3: no, no, no. Um, as
1: always, we would love you to rate, review, subscribe and give the podcast a little follow. Um, and of course, George, we love your recommendations.
3: Yeah, and if you have got anyone that you've seen that you'd love to hear from, then please do let us know. But also, please tag us. We love to see and hear where you are listening to the podcast. We're on at Made by on Instagram and we'll be back on Friday. Made by Mamas is an insanity podcast production, and today's episode was produced by the lovely Charlotte Mason.
0: Insanity Group.
3: A lot can happen in the next three years.
4: Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times.